Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Marcus Rose in Berlin about multiplying disciples and churches across Germany and the rest of the world. I grew up in East Germany and the churches that I saw, they were not necessarily nice churches. They were old ladies and that was it. So um, that evangelism is necessary, that people need to be trained, that I understood when I was a when I was a very young boy, and when I was 15, I started to pray and fast intensively. And during that period, I I had a personal experience with with God calling me. And that was before the war came down. So so that that vision underneath has been in my life for almost 30 years. I took every night from seven to eight. That was my prayer time. Mondays was my day of fasting, and Friday I invited my classmates for chess and and reading Bible. That were the two things we did together, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but uh, I think in spring eighty, hold on, probably spring eighty eight. Uh, that's when I heard the voice of God very very clearly to actually start churches later in my life, and from that day on I got more. I got more focused on actually really sharing the gospel with my classmates. And after that, people really started to come to Christ. Um, it was like we played chess for a while, then we read Bible, we played chess again. And uh, while two, three people were playing chess, the other ones were talking about what we had read in the Bible. And people people really started to come to Christ. That was good. And that and wasn't that a certain had... filter, or do all young Germans like to play chess? No, that was that was simply the only thing I knew how to do back then. I was not trained at all. That was the only I didn't know any better, so that worked. So we did that for a while, and then of course we started going to the villages around, and then it was very different. Then we played football with people. Or, um, okay, people to so learn you're still a teenager, and you began going to the villages with a football now to connect and share the gospel. Right. Okay. And then the wall opened suddenly for us, completely unexpectedly. The wall opened up, and it was everything was possible for a short while. It was never revival. I never saw something like thousands of people coming to Christ in a short period of time. But me and my friends, we started to go to the headmasters of all the schools in the whole county and ask them, could we teach about Jesus in the former communist lessons? Because they didn't know what to teach there anymore. And they let us in. They let us in. Then we went back to our headmasters and asked uh, for free time because we have to teach about Christ in these other schools. And you're and still a teenager be, at this point. At that time, I was 17, 18. I think we were very inexperienced, but we dared to do it. Nobody else dared to do it. So... Um, um, so we could share the gospel with whole with with the whole school, and usually on Saturday evening after a week in one small town, then we then we try to make something like a youth rally. I don't think it was very effective, but it was the only thing we knew. And so over the course between between fifteen and nineteen, there were like today I would say there were thirty house churches established. 
the quality level was very different from group to group and we didn't know what to do with it but yeah people had come to Christ that was good wow wow and that's 30 house churches that weren't in existence before that's right definitely so what definitely. what happened in the next phase what what opened up next the next phase was the worst phase of my life because after the first two years after the wall had come down, um, when that stopped, suddenly it all became very regulated, very West German, very organized. And that was something I could not cope with. I, I, I had this calling on my life. I wanted to do something for God. Um, that's how I understood it back then. And I did not know how to. And it was not possible to go into schools anymore. Everything became very, very different. I was 19, 20, 21 at that time. And all the Christians around me told me, if you want to do something, if you want to do something, you have to study theology on a Bible school or on a okay. seminary. Mm. So I signed up for university to study theology. And that was not a good decision for me. Mm. Um, I slipped, I slipped out. I never denied Jesus as my yeah. personal Lord and Savior or something like that. But I lost passion. I lost mm. drive. I stopped being practical hmm. and when I finally realized it after um, after about two years then I knew I don't know how to get back hmm. I don't know people hmm. who could help me to go back um, I didn't realize how arrogant I had become that I didn't realize at that time so I just ran away and I, I ran away I, I mean that in a positive way I, I did not know my way back so Hmm. Let's just let's just run away and let's not pretend I'm going I'm on a good path. So I ran away to Americas, worked there for one year, got myself a non-Christian girlfriend from Thailand, and moved to Thailand because of her. And that's when God started to call me back. And he he got me. The story is much longer, but yeah. my non-Christian my non-Christian Thai girlfriend, she actually told me if you want to learn the language, you better go to a Christian church than to a Buddhist temple. The Christians are more honest. And and so I found myself a church that definitely had no Western missionary and that was there was one daughter church of Hope of Bangkok mm -hmm. church. So that was at that time the most dynamic church planning movement in Thailand. And that was a very clever move of God to not just get me back, but but let me recover everything I had done as a teenager and and give it a new direction. I really saw how a whole country could be reached. I saw their passion, I saw their willingness to sacrifice, mm. I saw their I saw signs and wonders, I saw ex prostitutes sit beside millionaires, I saw the whole the whole variety of people and for the first time in my life I felt like um, church really is the most progressive institution in a country. I I know Thailand quite well. I stayed there all together for almost four years. I do speak the language fluently and I it was it was good spiritually, it was good mm. emotionally, but it also was good to see if that is church, then I then I can wholeheartedly say it has a power to transform the society around. And so and you're, that you're a, German, I'm running, a German running from God in America. 
Right. And he drops you into Thailand, which is maybe one or two percent Christian. Yeah. And 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 gives you a glimpse of what church can be like. Yes. That's amazing. That's exactly it. Yeah. That is amazing. Up until today I find that mm. I find that I can't even tell you. That's right. And and pretty much it took me one year to really connect with God one hundred percent and when that happened it was pretty much the same moment again I had when I was fifteen. I was I heard I heard God speak very clearly and mm. really saying, You ran away. I haven't changed my mind. Uh, the calling is still on. Um, and I knew that for me, it was not possible to, to be some sort of Christian. I knew I have to go back and I knew that would mean I'm, I'm going to be fully involved. And mm. so the, the Thai leadership, they asked me to start an international group very, very fast in, in Chiang I was in the North of Thailand and that's what I did. I started to reach out with all the sex tourists and, meditating Buddhists and that was one and a half years of learning how to love people that to know human standards are worth loving mm. Mm. Um, that was that was very very good for me and then it felt like after one and a half years God just pulled a curtain away and said you have learned to love people now now I can I can really make you make disciples and then suddenly there were there was a whole group of people who um, and, and for one year, we were really out there, reaching out, mm. seeing people come to Christ, and, and it was doing well. And I was also involved in Thai missions in some of the rural areas, but that was that was more to train myself, I think. I, yes. and since then, I consider pretty much nothing impossible. Mm. Yeah. And then I went back to Germany in 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, the Thai leadership at that time, they were very precise and they told me, we don't need you in Thailand. Um, we will get the job eventually done. Europe is in worse shape. Uh, that's actually what I was told. Mm. And so I went back to, uh, to Germany in 99, moved to Berlin deliberately. And Jesus was very precise saying, stay out of the Christian scene, not because you're proud, but stay out and go to non-believers, start the whole process from zero. That's what we did. So we stayed under the radar for a very long period of time, um, trying to not just to reach East German atheists, but really going to people who have no Christian background. And that was in 99. Yeah. Mm. So this is 10 years after the wall's gone down, but East right. Germany is still very different to the West. East Germany is culturally atheist. Uh, that means people have not reflected about their belief system as little as the most Catholics or Protestants would have done. And they are pretty much immunized against mm. the gospel. Yes. Mm. So how did that that next period go? In Berlin, I had a jump start. That was one of the big miracles I saw. After the first three months in Berlin, I saw a whole... I, I, I saw probably seven, eight, nine baptisms, um, some of them being international students, but um, the Germans who came to Christ were all people with no Christian background at all. And to be honest, up until today, um, there was no formula. There was no, that's how we study the Bible or something like that. I had my own 
outreach program that was every single day I want to, I have to share with a lot of people. Uh, and I know that if I try to share the gospel with Germans immediately, I would be the religious freak. So my, my goal was always get to know people. I share them. I move to Berlin to start churches. And if they're interested, I give them more information. And if they're interested enough, I want to have their number or their contact to be able to meet them again. And every day I wanted to have two people who I really got to know and would have their numbers. And that, that, that was some days was very difficult. Some days it was very easy. And so after three months, I saw the first people getting baptized. And then for, for three, four months, it felt a bit like heaven was open. We're not talking about 50 people here, but mm. like 10 people. I was alone. There was one person who I knew already who was helping me, but uh, the outreach was pretty much done by me at that time, and it was it was just amazing. It there was a miracle for me up until today. And typically, what what did the outreach look like? Can you remember a, a, an example? Um, I would go to university and and have a meal and sit down on the table and say, "Hey, it's so quiet here. What do you study?" And let's see where I would go from there. Mm. Usually people are polite enough to ask me, and what do you study? And I would say, I don't study here. I actually come to get to know people. I'm starting a church. Um, that that was what I was bold enough to do. Mm. If you if people had asked me to go out in the street and say, I want to tell you about Jesus, I hate when people try to sell me something. So I, I was not able to do that. Mm. I, I needed a different approach for myself. The the first the first 12 months, we saw probably at least one baptism a month. It was quite amazing. After uh, we had, at that time, we still had Sunday meetings. That was what I thought I have to do. Um, after one year, there were about 50 people on that Sunday meeting, and that was that was amazing. Yeah. For me, that was a miracle. Mm. And that was a weird group of people in a positive way. Incredible, strong, and difficult personalities. Yes. Most of them very intelligent. Most of them could really say we never wanted to become Christians hmm. and suddenly we are. And that was the, that was a testimony. That was the atmosphere around us. Um, meetings were usually pretty tough because people would really fight with each other about what they have read in the Bible. Um, prayer meetings were, were interesting because people were really fighting with God about, about things to happen. That was very, very good. And then the first, then they started to have, people come to Christ behind them. And they, those guys were different. And I've seen that a lot of times in the last couple of years that the second generation is is different because those guys, they would reach out. The first guys who come to Christ to them are usually more needy people, mm-hmm. much, much more in need of support and help. And back then we were too inexperienced. So the whole process slowed down a bit, not too much, but a bit. Uh, at that time, we had already started uh, in two or later in three other cities. I mean, it was from day one, I really communicated, let's go to, into every subculture, every county in Germany. And and the number I always said, and one day I would love to send 10,000 missionaries out of Germany. That was what I communicated from day one. Um, it was not a number that God had given me, but it was like, every county in Germany, every subculture, and let's get 10,000 missionaries out of Germany. 
So that was something everybody heard from me from day one. So the, that DNA was always in there. But we were pretty strong with one-to-one discipleship, mm-hmm. and it helped the first generation very strongly. But then the second generation, now, the first generation was not that experienced, and then it turned out more to be caring for people's souls, and it was not that dynamic anymore. So we had to learn to to change that pattern. When I came back to Germany, I had I had the whole experience as a teenager. I had learned to love people in Thailand. I had already successfully started a community in, in Thailand. Now the first couple of guys, a lot of them were atheists. They had no Christian backgrounds. They had to learn to laugh as well. So I'm not surprised that they, that they actually had a, quite a crowd of needy people around them in the beginning. Mm. And that was good. But then to get them out and say, guys, those guys cannot decide how much time you have to spend with them. That is God's decision and your decision, not their decision. Um, so I, until I realized I really have to be that, that decisive and helping them to make that decision, that took some time. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, something we didn't know at all was how to train leaders, how to, mm. how to help them to learn from each other. Um, Thailand was much hierarch- more hierarchical, so somebody would come into a room and would tell everybody what to do and how to do it, hmm. and that wouldn't work, not in a not in a split-up society like Germany, where everybody yeah. lives in their own little subculture. And that took a couple of years. We, I'm a pretty good public speaker. You can put me on a stage, and I hmm. that works. And very very fast, I realized if we're trying to build up that kind of churches, I run into trouble because the most of our guys, they would never see themselves doing that, not on a weekly level, probably from time to time, but mm-hmm. not on a weekly level. So we had to change the model, we had to simplify. Um, they had house churches in Thailand, but they also had very strong Sunday services. So we we step by step um, demolished uh, demolished the Sunday services in the cities where we had started already. And why did you demolish the Sunday services? I think that is my personal opinion, okay? I, I'm, I'm very careful because now that everything has grown so strongly, um, I sometimes even suggest for people to go public for a while, but mm-hmm. not as the structure they have to do, but like um, you're, you're on evangelistic drive, let's go public for a while. Mm-hmm. Now I'm even suggesting it, but then it's not you have to do, it's for a while for a certain purpose. In a developing country like Thailand, I could have a house meeting where after some food and some songs in one corner, somebody taught the newcomers and just told them about Christ. In another corner, somebody taught the new believers some fundamentals, prayed with them, helped them to overcome stuff. And in the third corner, we are training the long-term guys uh, to reach out. That would have never worked in Germany. It, it it was very clear it wouldn't work. Mm. So I made a very clear split between that is the team, and the team really comes together to pray, to train, to plan, to have communion. And you cannot just bring in somebody in. It doesn't matter if it's a Christian or non-Christian. You cannot just bring somebody in. That is a very intimate setting where we really learn to live together as body of Christ. And the other things are they are open, they are evangelistic, and if you mix both things, you get something that doesn't work. 
Hmm. If the if it's evangelism, you try to train people, then it doesn't work except for preaching or stuff like that. And if it is team and you bring a non-Christian, they destroy the atmosphere. Hmm. So to me, it became very clear this Sunday, if it is a preaching session, like a very close traditional church, uh, that is against everything that I want. I don't want them to listen to my teaching every Sunday. But if it's very evangelistic, I will actually kill their evangelism sooner or later. Hmm. So, so the purpose of the meeting started to go down okay. um, very, very strongly. So up until now, we really communicate. Um, there are the teams, and the teams are really close, and they are, that's, that's the fellowship of the saints. And, hmm. and everything else is on a personal level, it's discipleship, it's outreach, but it's, there's always a clear purpose. If you mix the purposes, then it gets messy. In 2004, I put, after prayer and fasting, I put, to, I put together a leadership team for, at that time, Germany. And, and I was very surprised. I had a shortlist with a lot of names. And some of the names on the shortlist that I really wanted in the team, the, the Holy Spirit was very clear. I cannot take them into the leadership team. And there was at least one name that was not on my shortlist that... That the Holy Spirit said they has to join the leadership team. I didn't want it, so that was that was the beginning. And that was very important. That happened in 2004, in fall, and 2005 we started to meet uh, quarterly. Um, those meetings were not good in the beginning. It was we were all very insecure, very inexperienced, and we fought a lot with each other. But what we all really believed this is a godly thing. God has put us together to reach our nation. And oh, if you would if you would have seen those guys back then and even today, highly capable people, but not easy personalities. Okay. So I, I really like that. So I think it took us about two years to actually be functioning as a team. And in 2007 in summer, it was very clear. We got we got a very clear vision from God saying, divide Germany in eight regions and try to pioneer on all the eight regions. And at that time, we were quite okay in three of those eight regions, and we we had just started something very small in two of the others, so three were still unreached. And that started to shape the pattern. We People like me, we got in the car, um, and we drove there, and we started with street evangelism again, and just trying to do it, because God was talking. And it established a pattern of, I would say that actually established a more apostolic pattern. Um, the vision was there, but we really do it. It was not that successful in the beginning. We we wasted too much time. The priorities were still not that clear. But it was good enough that by 2000, 2010, uh, a next step came. And that was, now we really heard God say very clearly, divide Germany in 90-minute regions. And the theory behind was, for German on a Saturday, to get into his car or get on the train, mm-hmm. go somewhere 90 minutes, do outreach, mentor people, meet people again, organize something, even do a family trip, do something there and come back for 90 minutes. That is something that people dare to do. But they still feel that's natural. And I would say that really reshaped the whole model. Um, in all the teams, people started to do it. They started to go into neighboring towns. They uh, started to... Uh, that started to work, and 
we were always talking about where to go next, how to do it, how to Skype with people, how to call people, how to mentor people over distance, so that that people really became bold in doing it. Um, and and typically, was, Marcus, typically when they're going into that new town or region, what, what are they doing? If you would see our teams, the range of evangelism styles is very huge hmm. from people going into a hospital and praying for sick people in a hospital to uh, um, to people really joining a, a sports club i still love going out in the street and trying to talk with people going into university and just trying to talk with people um i mean the the whole thing with world mission has always been in there so it was always clear we go and we tried it from from year one with more or less success in 2011 or 12 I don't remember exactly I would have to look it up um, it was clear now we have to do it again and stronger than before up until then we only had successfully pioneered something in, in Czech Republic not more out of Germany and after that prayer and after that prophetic word um, one couple out of the leadership team, they heard from God that they should move to France. We never challenged them. It was something they got. And that was like the opener. Um, we were inexperienced back then. We made a lot of mistakes in the process. but And letting them go left a huge hole, but they went out. And since then, in the last couple of years, we, we went into, into Poland, Netherlands, uh, the Balkans down to Spain, to Italy, France, and and uh, I, I, and outside Europe now too. But that that really that really took a time. Um, at the same time, um, at the same time, we made one huge, huge decision. Um, up until in the whole first couple of years, once a year, always over Pentecost, we had a joint festival. In the beginning, it was very small, 50 people, and then it grew and grew. In 2012, I really heard God say very clearly, 2014 is the last time you have a joint festival. You have to dissolve it. It, will, it is becoming big. People will, people will start to follow that one movement. And that's not what, what I want you guys to do. You have to give new freedom for next generation apostolic leaders to restart the whole process. So um, the last festival was so nice for us. There were 1,000 people. It looked big. It was amazing. Everybody loved it. And still, I was sure that was the last one. And people trusted me enough to say, okay, if Marcus says that, then, then let's really let it be the last one. And, and that was 2014. And after that, we really started to experiment um, a lot of times how to train people who we believe are apostolically gifted. How do we help them to restart the whole process and start their own movements? How do we help them on, on every level? And how to create a support system because we made a lot of mistakes and they will probably too, but how to create a support system that gives them all freedom and, and still helps them in a tangible way. So that, that process has been 2015, I started to take a small group of next generation apostolic leaders together, and and I've been doing that the last couple of years, and we have gotten better in training, better in working together, better in knowing what somebody like I should be doing and what I should not be doing. 
Um, so that is not the only reason, but uh, some of the spread in, in the last three years is part of we were obedient when it when it came down to let's take apart um, the possible central structure, the, the thing that could have made us big in the public eye, but would have definitely put a huge emphasis on somebody like me and the more experienced leaders. And sooner or later, we would have to, we would have had to establish a brand to keep it together. And now that is very different. So if you if you would ask those guys, they would say what Marcus has always taught us was the movement behind me. That is my movement. I'm in charge. I'm the spiritual father. But all those emerging movements these are our movements together mm. we we support each other there is a very clear covenant in the whole thing my role has changed i'm training them i'm working hard in the backup for them um i like to work hard so that's not a big problem for me and i starting not just starting but last year and especially this year i'm spending 75% of my trips are outside Germany already. So I'm, I'm going into new countries. I see that God gets me to the right kind of people. So that's good. I like that. After we dissolved that central festival for two years, it was a tougher time for me. I didn't hear God say very clearly what's the next major step. Um, and it felt like I really had to learn to to be even more intimate with God and, and to see details stronger, work on things also in my own life that, that I didn't know I had to work on. And then last summer it became very clear, instead of God coming and saying, this is the next major step, I, I actually asked, what is going to happen? And I was actually asked the other way around this time. And, and I said, I, I cannot stop, I cannot stop dreaming that the gospel really reaches not just Germany, but Europe, but it reaches really every subculture, every single last village and so on. And we're not there yet. And so God, that's what I felt God asked me. So what would be the next step? You would feel like it is really a next step. And I thought like, at that time we were probably 500 house churches. Now we're about 700. And I felt like, Thousand? No, I could manage that. Even two thousand, I could feel like I can manage the process to go there. But that has to be something supernatural. So I felt like ten thousand. That would be that would be something I would like to see because the ten thousand teams all over Germany, that would mean they are doing local politics. They are helping with refugees. They are getting missionaries out. It's I can see now. Now, after all these years, they are so different. What they do achieve for the people around them, what they do achieve in people's lives, it's just amazing. So I, I said 10,000. And then I said, but that is not something that excites me. It is just like, it would be like a benchmark. Um, and I wouldn't know what to do. And then I felt like God really saying, you have seen the process once before. You have seen it from you going back to Germany and it growing to 1,000 people growing to 1,000 people at that time, probably 120 house churches, um, with a group of people who had no clue, that is something you can multiply. So that's when I started to communicate my personal responsibility in the next couple of years is to help to establish 100 apostolic teams, not just in Germany, but all over the place. Um, 
people always ask me, what do you actually mean? And it, every team will look different. But really, if 100 apostolic teams, if they all have, if they're all in charge for about 100 house churches, then we are up to the, to the 10,000 teams. And that excites me because it gives me some, some direction and some clear things that I have to do with people. That is good for me. Everything else, God has never, I have never been the leader who says, that's where we'll all go. I, it's more like I, I sit down with people, we pray, what do you feel God wants you to do, and how to get there, and how to do it. And that's actually what excites me the most, because then I see they're doing stuff I would be too afraid to do. I have no clue how to do it. I have no experience how to do it. So they reach people I could never reach. <laughs>